0: Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. So, welcome again. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Albie, and uh, I'm just so happy you've decided to join us for Christmas Eve. You know, I know know one of my favorite uh, Christmas traditions as a whole is uh, picking out the Christmas tree. So I see a lot, there's always a lot of young kids in the Christmas Eve service. So I'm curious, for you young kids, uh, how many of you love decorating the Christmas tree? See the lights a few? Guys, there's way more kids excited in the first service about Christmas trees. I don't know. Parents, what is going on here? (laughs) Uh, I know after we decorate, my actually My favorite part is that after the Christmas tree decorating is done, we decorate Christmas cookies, and I get to eat lots of cookies. That's one of my favorite parts of of that, but since it's Christmas Eve, and uh, it's okay to have fun in church, so so we're going to do, I'm going to test out uh, a little bit of your Christmas tree knowledge. We're going to do a little Christmas tree trivia to get started, to see if you can beat the first service. Okay, so in what country did Christians first celebrate with an evergreen tree? Was it... Uh, some of you, well, well, you'll learn as it goes how these games work. Was it England? Yes. Was it Lebanon? No. Was it Germany? Yes. Or was it Hooville? Hey, it was, okay, it was Germany. So <laughs> the answer is Germany. All right, in what century was the first Christmas tree used? Was it the 600s? Was it the 1500s? The 1600s or the 1700s? What do we think? The answer is 1500s. It was a sculpture in Germany dated in 1576. All right. For those of you, who's on team real Christmas tree? Who's on team artificial Christmas tree? Don't boo. You know, it's okay. It happens. All right. So what were the first artificial Christmas trees made from? Goose feathers, plastic, chicken feathers, or Sam's Tears. <laughs> I did not make this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is? Goose feathers. Feathers. goose feathers. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's two more. Which state does not produce Christmas trees? California, Arizona. Uh, they're not in the same order. Come on, Albie. I'll do this a California, Hawaii, Arizona, Florida, or none of the above? Yeah. It is... None of the above. Every state in America grows Christmas trees. All right, the final one. Who invented electric Christmas tree lights? Was it Nikola Tesla? Was it Powers Electric Service? Maybe. Was it Edison Electric Light Company? Or was it Clark Griswold? Clark Griswold. Yes, it was Edison Electric Company in 1882. And I just, I never thought about it, but even before, they would light Christmas trees with candles, which is insane. That you, and it caused lots of fires. And they still did it, I don't know why. Yeah, goose feathers, and, so just don't, just don't put those in your trees, thank the Lord that we have electric lights. Uh, I don't know about you, but this time of year, I love kind of going into my living room early in the morning with the Christmas tree. And that's sort of the only light. And I'll drink my coffee and just sort of think. And it's really, I just feel like the, the lights from the Christmas tree just are, I'm going imagine, I feel so sad every year. I'm the one of like, can we keep the Christmas tree up till like March? And my wife's like, no, like New Year's is gone. So I'm always, always kind of sad. Uh, did anyone, anyone this year drive around in, in the area and look at all the Christmas uh, displays on the different streets? Yeah, there's so many awesome ones around here. I love how it, it, it keeps growing. But one thing I noticed like, with, with my kids, that did you see any, there was these roads where there was only one house lit up on the whole road. And so it would be dark, and then you would see it. And it, would just, it was just illuminating, and it would draw you to it because all you wanted to do was to go see that house with the lights because that's what light does. The, the darker something is, the more light attracts, but also light will do something else. It illuminates, so what light will do is it'll reveal things that you can't normally see without the light, and in John 8, 12, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life light not only attracts it reveals, and Jesus said, Whoever follows me will walk in light and will have the path of life revealed tonight we 're going to look at matthew 's narrative of the birth of Jesus, and in it we 're going to see how the story of Christmas is a light that reveals some important things that we need to see so i 'm going to read to you this is Matthew chapter one verses 18 through 25 and here's how it reads it says now the birth of jesus christ took place in this way when his mother mary had been betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divert to divorce her quietly which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, is the word of the Lord. Every year when I study this passage, it just kind of jumps out at me at how understated it feels. Just, you know, the the long-awaited Messiah the anticipated savior of the world. And Matthew takes basically two paragraphs and just says it so matter-of-factly. It's almost like he went out of his way to, uh, I don't know, not dumb it down, but just he really just understates the amazing truth. But what I want to show is that he does reveal in his story three really big things that we need to hear. And the first thing he reveals in, this, in his narrative is an urgent need. He reveals an urgent need. You know, there's, there's a lot of beauty in the world, right? Christmas lights, Christmas trees, all, there's, there's a lot of beauty in the world, but there is also a lot of brokenness. I don't have to convince you of that. Probably everybody in here either knows someone or themselves going through something or sees just brokenness. And, it, and it's out there and it's in us. Have you ever noticed too that there are some things that when they break, they can't be put back together? There's certain things, when they break, you can't put them back together on your own. And the brokenness in the world and the brokenness in us, it's, it's so big of a problem that only God can fix it. You know, Matthew's Gospel shows us a need that is so big, it needs God's miraculous intervention. That's how big this need is. Because we see that Mary was a child from the Holy Spirit. This is a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy that said, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Our need for a savior is so great and so urgent, it required God's direct intervention. And that intervention came in a person. Because the second thing this passage reveals is an unexpected solution. God came as a baby. The babies you're hearing cooing and crying right now At one point, that was Jesus. I mean, I know we know this theoretically, but have you ever just held a baby and thought, wow, the God of the universe humbled himself and became this vulnerable that he could be held in Mary's arms? Wow. That is incredible. God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. God. God in the flesh who came to be with us. And he not only came to be with us and walk among us, he came to be our savior and provide a solution for our brokenness. Because it says for he will save his people from their sin. Because sin is what causes this brokenness in the world and it's something we need to be saved from. Brokenness is not just something we are victims of, it's something we contribute to. Our sin causes some of the brokenness that is around us. But we are are sinners in need of a savior. And there's so many ways that we try to escape this, but there are some needs so great, some problems so big that only God can solve. There are some needs so great, some problems so big that only God can solve. And that is what we are celebrating at Christmas that God has come to solve a problem that is so big and is so great, we cannot solve it, but he provided a way. On Christmas, the greatest gift ever is that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And at Christmas time, we see that not only is Jesus God with us, he is God for us. Jesus is not only God with us, he is God for us. But the final thing this passage does reveal is our need kind of for an unconditional surrender. And we see this in both Mary and Joseph because when they are confronted with the, re- <clears throat> with the new reality of their life, when they are confronted with the call that God has on them, they have to surrender to it. They have to say yes. I mean, think about Joseph. Joseph had his life planned out. He knew what he was going to do. Him and Mary were gonna get married. You know, his son was going to t- take up the family business. They were probably gonna lead a quiet, ordinary life, and all of a sudden, his life gets turned upside down. His fiance is pregnant. He thinks she has cheated on him. He is thinking of divorcing her quietly out of respect for her, but at that moment, his life is just shattered. And an angel comes to him and reveals saying, no, that's not the case. The child she is with is from the Holy Spirit. This is the long-awaited promised Messiah, and your call is to be the faithful husband and father. It doesn't matter all the social stigma you are going to have to face. And Joseph says, yes. And then Mary, again, Mary, minding her own business, not expecting any of this, and all of a sudden, she is given a task so great that for many, it would be crushing. But she just says, yes. Lord, I, will, I am your servant, I will do what you have for me. <clears throat> and really, we are all like Mary, Mary and Joseph. And everybody who decides to follow Jesus has to surrender to him, has to, in the words of Jesus, repent and believe the good news. I wanna show you a picture that uh, is quickly becoming one of my favorite pieces of Christian art. And this was drawn, it's called Mary Consoles Eve. And it was drawn by a nun named Sister Grace, Sister Grace Remington. She lives at a convent in Iowa. And when I first saw this painting, she actually was just doodling and didn't ever expect this to be uh, widely publicized when I first saw this painting, I was struck by all of the symbolism that was embedded. And the more I looked, the more I saw. And so if you're a visual learner, what's helpful about this is this this story tells so many of the themes of the gospel all in one place. So she was just drawing, doodling, pondering all the themes of Christmas. Things like redemption and grace, shame and compassion, the mystery of the incarnation, and the promises, promises of salvation. So you'll see it starts, this picture is framed by a garden on both sides. And the reason why it's framed by a garden is because that is the way the beginning and the end of the story of scripture is told. The story of scripture begins in a garden with God in perfect relationship with his people. Something happens. But through the narrative arc of the story of the scriptures, it ends back in a garden. It ends with God and man reconciled. It is a, this right here, this arch this is a beautiful picture of how the story of the Bible is told. And then look at poor Eve on the left. It's, I don't know how well you can see it from there, but it's drawn in a way where you can see shame in her eyes. Her head is down low, still clutching on to the object of her sin, entangled by the serpent who deceived her, and she's covering her nakedness and shame with her hair. She is portrayed as someone experiencing the terrible consequences of sin. Eve is someone who's experiencing brokenness. And in this picture, we are supposed to see ourselves in Eve. We are all Eve. We have all felt the shame that comes from our sin, but we also know how deeply we still cling to it. Unwilling to let go of the very things that often bring our shame, because that's what sin does. It traps us and entangles us. But there is more, because we can also feel that sin is more than just the choices we make. You see, in the serpent, it has a a grip on us, has a hold on us. But Mary comes to Eve and consoles her. Look at the kindness in her eyes. Eve's shame is not met with a disappointed look, but with kindness, compassion, and gentleness. And, and, And at first glance, when you're looking at this, you might just notice two people in the picture. But there's actually a third person who is the object of both of their attention. There's a third person in this picture who is the source of Eve's consolation and Mary's hope. And that is Jesus. That is the baby Jesus. It is Jesus that is the object of both of their attention. The one who will offer grace and forgiveness. The one who will take away Eve's and our shame. The one who all people, Mary included, will rely on for salvation. The one who will conquer will crush sin once and for all. Tonight, we have gathered to celebrate this Jesus, this Emmanuel, God in the flesh, who came to take on the sins of the world, the one who will save his people from their sins. Now, I know there's a lot going on to distract you tonight. You are thinking of the argument you had on the way over to church trying to get here in time. You are thinking of the presents that are not wrapped yet, the meal that hasn't been cooked, the to-do list. You have all of these things swirling around that could possibly be distracting you right now. But just for a minute, think and ask yourself, am I like Eve in that picture? Am I like Eve in that picture? Experiencing shame, clutching to my sin, and entangled by it. Maybe you walked in here wondering, I don't know what God thinks about me. Does God really care? Is there hope for someone like me? And the good news is that in Jesus, there is hope because there are some problems so big that only God can fix them and he has come to fix them. And he came as Emmanuel, God with us to be with us. And so the invitation of Christmas is to put your faith in the one who can redeem you, who can restore you, who can free you from your sin and reconcile you to a holy God, the Savior who is Christ the Lord awaits you. And as a church, that is our greatest joy and desire is to walk alongside you and introduce you to this Jesus and help you learn what it means to follow him and to stumble after him. Our mission as a church is to practice the way of Jesus together because we're a community who does not have it all together. We're a community of imperfect people that rely on the grace of God to be able to follow him and to chase after him. But everybody who is in Christ Jesus, it was someone who has said yes to the good news that Christ Jesus has come to save people from their sins. That is what we are here to celebrate. And the beautiful message of Christmas is that Jesus is not just God with us, He is also God for us. Jesus is not just God with us. He is God for us. And like I said, I don't, a lot of you I know, a lot of you I don't. But as you come in here tonight, I don't know what burdens you have. I don't know what expectations of church. I don't know how you've been burned by church. You probably have all the above. But my invitation to you is the same invitation of Jesus. When he just offers, he says, repent and believe the good news. Because God loves you. He loves you so much. He came to walk among us, to die in our place, so you could know him and be reconciled to him. He gave, there was nothing greater he could have done for you than give up his life. And his invitation is, come and follow me. Um, and so I'm going to take a minute and give you an opportunity again. I always, I try to do this a lot because I don't know how God might be speaking to you, how God might be working on you. You might hear about this good news of Jesus and you're thinking, and I've heard people say before, this is the news I've been waiting for. Like they'll hear about the gospel that Jesus has come to save us from our sins. That is by God's grace through faith, not of our hard work that we can be saved. And then if we believe in him in faith, we can be saved. And some, I've I've talked to people and they're like, I've been waiting my whole life to hear this. How come no one's told me about this before? And how you respond to the invitation of Jesus through faith, and you can just even do it through a prayer. And praying, this is, there's nothing, I would say there's nothing magical about these words. A prayer of response can just be verbalizing the faith that you would like to place in God. So if you're in here tonight, and this and something about this message has resonated with you when you want to place your faith in Jesus you can you can say a prayer and just kind of follow along quietly after me it doesn't have to be the exact same words but some sort of prayer of just the simplicity of lord jesus please be my savior so if i'm, I'm going to pray if you want to bow your heads and if you if you want to follow along after me i want to give you this give you this opportunity and you can do it quietly you can say something as simple as dear god i know i'm a sinner And there's nothing I can do to save myself. I confess my inability to forgive my own sin or work my way into heaven. At this moment, I want to trust in you alone and Jesus alone is the one who bore my sins on the cross. I truly believe that you have paid it all. You and I want to accept your salvation as a gift. Jesus, I really believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me please save me. I want to be adopted into the family of God and experience what it means to be a dearly beloved child. Amen. And for the many of you in here who are already followers of Jesus, who are excited to gather and celebrate his birth, I want to let you know, you've been commissioned as an ambassador. We are called to go tell this news on the mountain, the neighborhoods, all throughout the land, that Jesus, the one whose name means the Lord saves, has been born. Isn't that good news? Merry Christmas. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we get to celebrate tonight, that you save, that even though we have this incredible need, you provided a solution, that you walked among us, you became one of us so that we can come to know you. Lord, I thank you that you're a God that cares, that you voluntarily took on the hardships of life. So that you can be a God that says, me too. I've been through that. You can be someone who resonates with us in our weakness, and I thank you for that. And as we sing, Lord, to you, I thank you that you are our great Savior, and that we can have joy and peace and hope because we've experienced your love. And I pray, amen. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, Visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.